Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All right, come on in and have a seat. Hey, my name is Ryan. I am on the teaching team here. I have the honor and the privilege of serving on that awesome team. And I am grateful to be in front of you tonight. Um, <clears throat> so, rewind with me a little bit. I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, but the year after I graduated college, I lived with two friends. We will call them Ben and Blinky. Uh, that's their names. Bl- Blinky's name, that's his nickname. He's blind. That's why we call him Blinky. But he's, it, it, he... It's not mean. He likes to be called that. That's what I've always called him. Um, but I was living with these two guys, Ben and Blinky. They were two of my best friends, and uh, I had graduated college, so I was I had started a new job, and it, they were finishing their senior year. And so every night, I would go to bed at nine o'clock so that I could get up nice and early at eight a.m. I could put on my. Well, I guess I went to work at 8 a.m., so I got up probably at 6.30, took a shower, put on my khakis, put on my button-up, put on my dress socks, whatever I needed to do to get to my real job at 8 a.m. every morning. And then these two other guys who were still in college would stay up late, and they would play Guitar Hero on PlayStation. They got really, really good at Guitar Hero. Um, They would always try to convince me to stay up later with them. And I knew that I had a job I had to get up for, and I would be diligent. Nine o'clock every night, I'd get ready for bed, and I'd go to bed. And they could not get me to stay up past nine. Until one fateful night in December, December 3rd, I remember it because my roommate, Blinky, actually texted me the other night, and he was like, remember this? And I was like... How could I forget? But <clears throat> So, fateful night, December 3rd, it uh, started snowing, these big, beautiful snowflakes, and the snow, you know, starts to accumulate on houses and on grass, and then eventually on the roads, and next thing you know, we have a couple of inches of snow on the ground, and they, it's a Thursday night, I think, and so they convinced me, okay, let's go sledding. It's a beautiful night for sledding. And so I'm like, you know what, I can stay up a little late, I can go sledding. Um, <clears throat> problem was, we didn't have a hill near us, and so we decided our best bet was to get a sled and a rope and pull it behind Ben's Chevy Lumina down the street. And uh, the other problem was, we didn't have a sled or a rope, so we got an <laughs> extension cord, slammed it into the trunk of the Lumina, and we got a laundry basket, which two of us would get in, hold on to the extension cord and get pulled behind down the streets of Bradley University. Um, And that went really well for like 10 minutes until suddenly down uh, Columbia Terrace, I don't know if anyone knows where Columbia Terrace is, you can park your car on that street. And so we were going just fine and suddenly uh, Blinky and I were in in the laundry basket Ben was driving, and we started drifting over this way. And suddenly, I realized, like, uh uh-oh, we're going to hit this car. There is a Dodge Intrepid 
parked in front of us that we are flying at. And so we kind of barrel roll out of the laundry basket, which somehow we don't slow down. We speed up going into the back of the parked car. And we just, I, I remember a few things about it. I don't remember everything, but it seriously was like it was in slow motion. Like, has anyone had those moments that you just remember in slow motion? This moment was one of them. Um, <clears throat> I don't, like I said, I don't remember everything. I like to think that I held Blinky tight like he was my own child and I protected him from the back of the car. Um, but I just remember bracing myself, nailing the back of that car, and um, Blinky ended up under the car somehow. And he tried to blame it on me like it was my fault. But I think he was mad because he had a shard of brake light in his knee and he needed medical attention. But what I remember most of this incident is not, like I said, the details are a little foggy. Um, but the one thing that I remember, as we were sliding on the, the snow towards the back of the car, is that kind of blinky in slow motion, as like matter-of-factly as he possibly could, just said, we're going to die. We're going to die. Like, that's the one thing I remember him saying. And as I think back on that, two things. One, we were idiots, and that was stupid. And two, Blinky was right. We're going to die. But maybe not in that moment. Um, somehow we didn't die that night. But we are going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. The death rate is 100%. And that sounds morbid, but since we're going to die... It's probably pretty important for us to talk about what happens when we die. Um, you know, if you were going to move to another city, like if I were going to move to Orlando or something, I would look up Orlando, I would look up the neighborhoods and the schools and the crime rate, and I would learn more about the neighborhoods and the businesses or whatever. I would learn as much as I possibly could about where I was going. Um, and we as Christians, we say we believe in heaven, but I don't think we know much about heaven. I don't think we spend much time studying heaven. I really don't think I've ever heard a series on heaven. I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on heaven in my however many 14 years of being a Christian. And so today we're starting a series called Afterlife. And for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about heaven. And my hope is that you would gain a clear biblical understanding of what the Bible says about heaven, what the Bible says about the afterlife. Um, and so let me start with a couple disclaimers, all right? One, we are talking about things that have not happened yet. And so it's really hard for me to stand up here and confidently say what is going to happen. But everything that I'm going to say will have scriptural or biblical backing, for everything I say, there's a whole lot smarter people, theologians, biblical scholars, uh, things like that who have spent a whole lot more time than I have researching this stuff, diving into scripture, dissecting scripture to come to these same conclusions as I did. And even with that said, my ask of you is to test everything that I say against scripture. So, Paul in 1 Thessalonians says, test everything, hold on to the good. Do that. The things that I say, hold on to the good, test it, with, test it against Scripture, and reject the bad. I am not 
an expert on this, but like I said, it's something I've invested a lot of time into learning and uh, I guess just figuring out as much as I can about it. And so uh, another disclaimer, I'm going to try to explain what happens from now until the end of eternity in like 30 minutes. And so that's, that's been a challenge for me to try to figure out what to say and how to say it. Uh, we're teaching Jet to read right now. He's learning letters, and now he's, he has learned his letters. Now he's learning, you know, sounds that go along with the letters. We didn't teach him all that in one day. And so if we're going to learn everything there is to know about eternity, that's not going to happen in a day. Frankly, it's never going to happen. But one day, we will know all of it. Um, so I highly, highly, highly recommend digging more into this, researching it more, reading more about it. Um, there's a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Everything that I say today will, is covered in this book. This is a really good book, and everything that he says is straight from Scripture. Over and over and over, he points back to Scripture about it. And so I trust Randy. He spent years and years, he's dedicated his life to figuring out, you know, what does eternity look like for, from a biblical perspective. Um, and we have these tiny little books, which is this big book in like 25 pages. And so if you don't feel like reading 700 pages or whatever this is, uh, take one of these. There's a bunch of them in the back. And so um, your family, grab one of these on the way out and make sure you read it because I, again, I highly recommend it. Um, and then final disclaimer, I know it's weird to come to a church service and before the sermon even starts, there's like 10 minutes of disclaimers. Um, but <clears throat> just covering my own back here. Um, I'm going to say some things. I may say some things today that you don't agree with or that you've never heard. And so in your mind, you might say, uh, I don't know about that. But again, my challenge to you is hear me out. Because remember that everything I'm going to say is straight from the Bible. It's based biblically. And so, um, you know, as I'm reading this, as I'm learning this stuff, there's things that I came across where I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. And then I realized that the majority of my theology on heaven has come from, like, The Simpsons or TV <laughs> or the Internet. <laughs> majority of my outlook on life has come from The Simpsons, let's be honest. Um, <clears throat> and so I think naturally each one of us in here have some amount of an unbiblical view of heaven. Um, if your view of heaven is that when you die, you just kind of float up into the clouds, you might be a little misinformed. Um, because that's what I thought. When I thought of heaven, I used to think of hymns and harps and angels and things like that. Or I know a lot of Christians, you know, think of, uh, think of heaven as this never-ending church service. And I mean, church, I love church, but a never-ending church service is not, some, not how I want to spend my eternity. If I get to heaven and it's a never-ending church service, I may have gone south, actually. <laughs> Especially if there are dogs there, then I definitely went south. That was for you, Katie. Um, <clears throat> so if we think, if when you think of heaven... You think in, yourself, in your mind, like, eh, that sounds okay. You have a wrong view of heaven. Um, and the main reason that so many of us have an unbiblical view of heaven is strictly the work of Satan. Of course, Satan wants us 
to have an unbiblical view of heaven because he knows that if we truly understood what eternity with Jesus would look like, that he wouldn't stand a chance. We would follow Jesus closer. We would share Jesus more often. Uh, kind of like Peyton would say, was saying before, we would be world changers for the gospel if we had a clear view of, of what is to come in eternity. And the reality is, is that people have always had a view of the afterlife. People have always believed in some sort of view of eternity, whether it was the ancient Egyptians a long time ago with the mummies and the pyramids, or uh, Native Americans, you know, they thought they would come back as something of nature, whether it was an animal or a tree or, or whatever. Um, Central America, they thought they would come back, or they thought they would go to the moon or the sun after they died. Every people group for basically all of time have had some view of eternity, and to me, that's not a surprise, because a view of eternity is, is biblical, to believe that's how God made us to have a desire for eternity Ecclesiastes Chris you said it Ecclesiastes 311 he has set eternity on the heart of man God has hardwired us to desire eternity we crave it and each one of us longs for paradise whether it's the pain that we feel here on earth that is a longing for heaven the cries of a child the times you know, tears stream down your face, the yells of yours in pain or frustration. Each one of those is a groan for paradise. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8 says it, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We have this natural desire to be in heaven for eternity. And uh, you might think that since we have a desire for it, it was our idea. But living in heaven isn't something that we as humans thought of. It's not just this kind of wishful thinking where we're like, what is the greatest thing that could happen to us after we die? And then we fabricate this idea of like living in perfection forever. That was not our idea. The reason we want heaven, the reason we want perfection in eternity forever is because God planned for that to happen. Living in heaven for eternity is not our idea, it's God's idea. And so, <clears throat> what does the Bible say about heaven? Um, maybe that's the question that we're all here for, like, what is heaven? Um, first of all, the first mention of heaven in the Bible, pretty early. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First sentence of the Bible mentions heaven. What is that? Seven words in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And heaven is not just an important part of the Bible. It might be the most important part of the Bible. Eternity, the Bible is about eternity. Um, and so on page one, right there, the first thing we learn about God is that he makes his home in this combination of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are one on page one of the Bible. And God is living there alongside man, right there with Adam and Eve. Uh, but then sin enters the picture, and heaven and earth are separated. And um, with that, God and man are separated. 
And now the earth longs to be reunited with heaven. The earth is groaning for redemption, and we, mankind, are also groaning for the redemption um, that we once had. And the Bible itself is a story of that redemption. The Bible itself is a story about God moving toward the earth and towards humanity to make it new. From Genesis 3 on, everything in the Bible is about God doing all that he can to win us back and to redeem mankind, to redeem earth, to bring heaven and earth back together just like it was before sin entered the picture. God is in heaven and he is one day going to restore earth, this earth that we live on and make it new. And the Bible calls that the renewal of all things. It's called the the renewal of all things. It's called the age to come. It's called the new heavens and the new earth. That is what eternal life will be. Heaven and earth once again reunited just like it was on page one of the Bible. And so what does this specifically look like? When I die, what happens? This is where it gets a little trickier to explain and even a little trickier to understand. So again, hear me out. When we die, believers in Jesus, when I'm, I'm talking strictly about believers in Jesus right now, when we die, we will not go to the heaven that we'll live in forever. Instead, we'll go to a place that I'm going to call and what theologians call present heaven or intermediate heaven. I'm going to call it present heaven the rest of the time, just so you know. If I say present heaven, that's what I'm talking about. This is the heaven that we're talking about when we say to our kids, Grandma is in heaven. Or when at a funeral or something, if somebody dies, and they say, he's in a better place now. That is the heaven that we're talking about when you die and you immediately go to be with Jesus in heaven. And so... This present heaven that I'm talking about is where any believer, anyone who is a follower of Jesus, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. If you did that, if that applies to you, when you die, you will go to this present heaven. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Your body will go into the ground and your spirit will join Jesus in heaven. And we see this when Jesus is on the cross. We see it when he's next to a thief on the cross. There's a thief on either side of him. There's two bad guys, right, right next to Jesus being crucified with him. And one of them realizes, you know, this Jesus is actually who he said he is. He truly is the Son of God. And in that moment, Jesus says to the thief in Luke 23, today you will be with me in paradise. That paradise that Jesus is talking about is the present heaven that I'm talking about. And we see the same concept in Philippians 1, 21, when Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then two verses later in Philippians 1, 23, he says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. And so Paul is talking about his desire to be with Christ immediately after he dies. He's not referring to some later heaven when, um, you know, after the judgment, after Jesus returns. Paul makes it clear that when we die, the present heaven is far better than this earth. And so, 
that's one thing that we can learn from Scripture. There's tons and tons more that we can learn from Scripture, aside from it being far better, or better by far, than earth. And so, what are some other things we can learn about, learn from Scripture about present heaven? Uh, there's tons and tons of verses that you can pull things out of where we can learn about present heaven, where we go, the heaven that we go to right after we die. Acts 7, um, <clears throat> Stephen sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and this shows that heaven is a physical place. You can't, like, take a bus or a plane there, but it's a physical place where you can stand. Um, uh, Revelation 10, Jesus is taken, or, or John is taken to heaven, the Apostle John. He grabs things, he tastes things, he eats things. Um, and there's a lot more, but just to show you how much you can pull from Scripture when you really, really dive into it, I'm going to read one passage, three verses, and uh, talk you through just some things that you can learn. And so Revelation 6, 9 through 11 <clears throat> says this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed, just as they had been. So three verses, one little passage of Scripture, all taking place in this present heaven right, right after they die, or, or after they die, but before the judgment, before the return of Jesus. Um, and I'm not going to talk about everything that we can learn from this, but here's 10 quick things that I pulled from this, all right? Um, <clears throat> and so, I don't know, is that, can we put that whole verse on screen, or is it a bunch of little ones? Okay, well, you can kind of just flip back and forth through it if you want. Um, <clears throat> so, first of all, number one, when these people died on earth, they went to heaven, all right? It, it says that, it's simple. They lived on earth, they died, they were martyred, um, and now they're in heaven. Two, there is continuity in our identity between heaven and earth. These people were martyrs on earth, and they're still the same people, they're still the same martyrs that are in heaven, their history and their identity comes with them into heaven. Three, we have voices in heaven, and we have bodies in heaven. It says they called out, which means they have an audible voice, and they were given white robes, which seems to suggest that they have bodies to wear the white robes. Four, they called out in a loud voice, not loud voices. There were multiple of them, but they called out in a loud voice. Multiple people speaking in one voice suggests that there is unity in heaven. Heaven is a place of beautiful unity. Uh, number five, they can ask God questions. In heaven, we have an audience with God. We can talk to him. He listens and responds. Uh, number six, uh, people in present heaven know what is happening on earth. These martyrs know those who killed, him, killed them have not been judged yet, and they care deeply about what is happening on earth. Uh, number seven, they clearly remember their lives on earth. They, they know that they were martyred. They can remember the things that happened to them on earth. Uh, number eight, there's time in heaven. They ask a time-dependent question, and they get a time-based answer. Wait a little longer. Number nine, there is a vital connection between 
the events and people in heaven and the events and the people on earth. A vital connection that can't be lost. And then number 10, God is sovereign. And he knows every detail. He knows all that is happening on earth and in heaven. He knows how many martyrs there are. He knows how many more there will be. He knows when there will be enough. And seemingly, he knows the name and story of everyone there. And I could go on. Like I said, there's more that you could pull from that, but I'll stop right there. And so, um, if, if this passage, in this passage, there's nothing to suggest that this is only true about those martyrs. This is just true about this one little group of martyrs. And so, if it's true for these martyrs, if it's true for these people that the, the scripture is talking about, it's true for our loved ones who are already there, and it will be true for us as we go to heaven as believers. So stop, about, stop and think about that for a minute. My grandpa died three years ago. He is aware of what's going on on earth right now. Katie, your brother died. He can turn to God and ask God a question right now and get a response. Your brother remembers you. He remembers your family. He has memories. The memories that you have of him, he, he remembers those things. And for each one of us in here, the people that you loved, that trusted Jesus, they are in heaven right now with Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that is your future when you die. The moment that you said yes to following Jesus, eternity started for you. And so, that's mind-blowing, but when I was 18 years old, I said yes to following Jesus. I gave my life to Christ. From that moment on, my eternity started, and there will be no more end to me and my spirit. <clears throat> um, here's the crazy thing, though. That present heaven that I was just talking about, it's only temporary. It's not our final destination. When we are in present heaven, sin still exists on earth. It, it doesn't exist in heaven that we know of. We obviously have memories and are aware that sin exists when we're in heaven, just like those martyrs are, and they're calling out for justice from heaven. But they, that is not the ultimate win for God. The ultimate win is later, when Jesus returns. And so that present heaven, it's only temporary. It's not our final destination. When we die, we will not go to that heaven, the heaven that we will be in forever. We'll go to that present heaven. Present heaven is not God's final plan. His final plan is what I'm going to call eternal heaven. And that is when God will bring heaven to earth. God never gave up his initial plan that he had on one page one of the Bible, where God and people, God and man, live together on this earth in perfect harmony. <clears throat> Isaiah sixty-five seventeen says, Behold, I will make a new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah 66, 22, As the new heavens and the new earth that I, will, that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and your descendants endure. 
Second Peter 3.13, we are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Revelation 21.1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. God's plan is and always has been to bring heaven back to earth. And the Bible calls this the renewal of all things. One day, this is, this is maybe the important part. One day, Jesus will return to earth. On that day, your spirit will return to earth with Jesus. And then Jesus will bring your body back from the dead. And your spirit and your body, your resurrected body, will unite. Your spirit will reunite with your resurrected body. And some of you are like, hold on, that's mind-blowing. I don't even know what to think. And I, I get that. That's very hard to comprehend. Others of you are like, hold on, I thought I got a new body. I wanted to be ripped. Like, I, I wanted a, a tribal tattoo or something else. Whichever camp you're in, I understand, because I want to be ripped too. Um, and here's the thing about that. It, you, you do get a new body. You get a resurrected body, but it's your body. And if you don't like your body, that will be renewed too. And if you have issues with your body, that will be renewed too. And our standard of beauty, that will be renewed too. Your spirit and your body will be one. Jesus and his creation will be one. Heaven and earth will be one, just like God planned it from the very, very moment he created Adam and Eve. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The climax of human history, of not even human history, of all of history, will be the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. A, res a resurrected universe lived in by resurrected people alongside a resurrected Jesus. God's plan was never to bring us to a realm made for him. His plan was always to bring, for, for him to come down to a realm made for us. And since heaven will be here on earth, our eternal heaven will be familiar to us. It'll be the same earth that we live in right now, but it will be restored, and it will be redeemed, and it will be perfect. No sin, no shame, no sickness, no death, nothing at all to hinder our joy or our achievement or our happiness or, or truth. All of that on this earth with these bodies and these people. And that will be home to us. That will be our true home. The home that we long for. The home that whenever you feel sadness or pain or anything, that is a longing for our eternal home that we want to be in. Everything that we desire and nothing that we don't. <clears throat> there aren't many verses in the Bible that I can remember. This may be the only one. This is probably the only one that I remember the moment and time that I, where I was when I heard this verse for the first time. Um, I was in the basement of a dentist's office in Washington, Illinois. Dr. Dave Crick, my dentist, He's done all this work on me. Um, <clears throat> and I was leading a Bible study, 
for probably the first time in my life, one of the first times in my life to a group of high school kids. I had been a Christian for less than a year. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I came across 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. And I remember telling this group of guys, like, see guys, follow Jesus. Because you can't even imagine how great heaven will be. No mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. My mind can conceive some pretty cool stuff, let's be honest. And a lot of people are like I was. They use this verse to say, we can't even imagine what heaven will be like. And that is obviously true to an extent, but we don't even read the next verse. So many people use that, they don't even read the next verse. It's, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. It is saying the exact opposite of what I was telling those boys in the dentist's office. What we normally couldn't and shouldn't know about heaven because we can't see it, God has revealed to us through his spirit. And just because we can't fully see it doesn't mean it's not there. We're so used to living in this broken, fallen world that sickness and pain and death seem natural but they are not a part of the plan. They're not a part of the final plan. We need a generation, this is our call for our church, we need a generation of heavenly-minded people who see humans and who see earth not as they are right now, but as God plans for them to be. Our, our sinful minds are so set on this earth that we're not used to heavenly thinking, and we have to work towards that. It is a command from God. Colossians 3.1 says, set your, heart, set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts on things of heaven. And in order to set our hearts on things of heaven, since our eternal heaven, our final place, our place where we will be for eternity is coming to earth, we don't need to look up to the clouds to picture a heaven. We need to look out our window. If you look around you and you see all of this and you just imagine it without sin, and without death, and without suffering, or corruption, or hate, that will be a start towards heavenly thinking. Uh, Eight years ago, I met a beautiful blonde bombshell, and I started to fall in love. She broke up with me, and then I met Lauren, and we ended up getting married. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Total upgrade. Um, I love you. (laughs) They always ask me to, like, make fun of you during these, and so that was it. That was for you. No, eight years ago, I met Lauren, my lovely wife, over on my left. Um, (laughs) And uh, after our wedding, we went on a honeymoon. We went to Cozumel. Beautiful, beautiful, all-inclusive resort, free free food, a beach, all of that. It was an amazing trip, um, just an amazing honeymoon. I will uh, not tell you what the top 11 highlights were for me on that trip, but my 12th favorite thing that happened to me on that trip was a snorkeling trip that we took um, at this beautiful, beautiful reef. And so we took a boat out. We had snorkels, we had goggles, all all that good stuff to this incredible, colorful reef. Bright, 
clear, crystal clear blue water. Um, <clears throat> we saw giant eagle rays. We saw stingrays. We saw barracudas. We saw some of the most colorful fish you have ever seen. Angelfish, cloudfish, yellowfish. Uh, <laughs> one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. We saw them all. Um, but I remember the first time I put on my goggles and I put my snorkel in and I took a breath and I went underwater. I dipped my head under for the first time. I took in a sight that I had never seen anything like that before. And I know what fish are. I've seen planet Earth. All this was familiar to me. I'd seen it on TV or in movies or or Discovery Channel, or whatever. It all was very familiar to me. But when I took it in, in person, perfected through those goggles, I could smell it, and I could taste it, and I could see it live. That is a moment that I will never forget. And I think heaven is going to be a little bit like that. Just gasp after gasp of seeing things that are familiar to us, but seeing them redeemed and seeing them in perfection. And so I want you to close your eyes right now. Everyone close your eyes. I want you to picture that you're going on a walk in your neighborhood. And you look around and you see the normal things that you would see on a walk when you walk around your neighborhood. But this time, all of it is in its original condition. Everything is brand new. New houses, fresh paint, new windows, no cracks in the concrete. Everything is as clean as it can be. The street is beautiful, freshly paved. The lines on the street are painted brand new. The sky is blue. The weather is perfect. The temperature is perfect. The heat of the sun you can feel shining down on your face. And suddenly you realize you're in the most beautiful place you've ever been. There are palm trees, and there is a peaceful stream, and there's a raging river, and there are mountains and waterfalls and snowdrifts. And then you look around, and you see your friends, and you see your family that you love and that love Jesus. And they're with you now, and you're all walking together. And you're laughing, you're playing, you're talking, you're reminiscing. And each one of you have resurrected, perfect, healthy, powerful bodies. Every blade of grass is perfectly green and alive. Every flower is colorful and vibrant and alive. And you see a tree with some fruit on it. And you reach up and you grab one. One of, the, one of the fruit, and you take a bite. And it's so good to you that it's shocking. You have never tasted anything that good before in your life. And every time you take a bite, it gets better and better and better. And everything you smell brings back the memories, some of the best memories you've ever had. Every smell brings you back to something that makes you as happy as you've ever been. And you smell that there's a feast ahead. You smell, you know there's a huge party that you're invited to. And, and the people that you love the most in the world are there. 
and you can't wait to get started because it's going to be the most fun thing you have ever done in your life. Everywhere you go, there are new people to meet. There are new places to enjoy. There's new things to discover. There's exploring to do. There's work to be done. And you can't wait for any of it because it's going to be amazing. And you're constantly surprised and you're constantly excited and you continue to walk. And all of a sudden you see something beautiful. And you realize it's not something beautiful, it's someone beautiful walking towards you. It's Jesus. And he has the biggest smile on his face you've ever seen. And you fall to your knees because of the emotion and because of the glory of seeing him. But he reaches down and he pulls you up and he hugs you as tight as he can. And he pulls you back and he looks at you and he smiles and he just brings you in again and hugs you again. And you don't feel an ounce of shame. You don't feel an ounce of guilt. You don't feel tired or worried or anxious or feel fearful. You just feel love. Because at last, you are with the person you are made to be with. You're with the person you are made for, in the place that you are made to be. You are in the glorious embrace of the creator of the world who went to the ends of the earth to make sure that you could be here with him and so that he could be here with you forever and ever and ever. That is God's plan for your life. That is God's plan for your eternity. There is no corner of creation that God won't redeem. And the day will come when you don't have to hope anymore because the paradise you have always longed for will be the reality that you live in forever. Jesus, thank you for this. Thank you for a small glimpse into heaven that you have revealed to us by your Spirit. We want more of that, Jesus. We want to see more and more. We want to experience more and more. We want this to be our reality. God, I pray for this earth. I pray for my friends. I pray for my family. I pray for my enemies to experience the glory of seeing you face to face one day in present heaven and then right here on earth in our eternal home, our eternal heaven where it's us and you and perfection, the the same earth that we live on, the same earth that we're standing on right now, but you're in it. And there is no sin, there is no shame, there is no pain, there is no darkness, there's nothing but love between you and between us. Jesus, we ask this to come true. Please, God, help us to see this, help us to live our lives in a way that encourages this. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.